In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to hear a piece about one woman's journey to find pleasure in a body changed by breast cancer. It's one thing to do the surgeries and treatments required when cancer comes along, and it's another thing to find a home in that body again in the aftermath. My guest today will surely inspire you with her story if this is something that you're also struggling with. I know for me, this has been the most challenging part of survivorship. A quick note that today's episode discusses intimacy following diagnosis, as I've just mentioned, but also includes the mention of sexual assault. If that's not something that you feel up for today, we understand and we'll see you next time. My guest today is Lisa Cassinetti. Lisa was diagnosed at 43 with stage two hormone positive breast cancer. She also discovered she was positive for two gene mutations, BRCA2 and BRIP1. Lisa was diagnosed as a single mother when her daughter was just nine months old. She believes that it is important to share her experiences as a breast cancer thriver to facilitate her own healing as well as the healing of others. Thus, Lisa educates internationally on tools that have empowered her during her healing journey, and she co-founded The Breast Connection, a virtual supportive community with three other amazing women to promote prevention and healing internationally. Welcome to The Burn, Lisa. Thank you, April. I am so honored to be here. And before we dive in, I just want to thank you for everything that you were doing for the breast cancer community. You were absolutely amazing, you and your team. Thank you. Thank you for that, Lisa. I appreciate that. So you're here today to read an essay that you submitted for our Love and Intimacy issue. This was the 2023 issue of Love and Intimacy, which I think was my fourth time doing this theme because it's such a hot theme and important theme. And the piece that you're reading for us today is called Intimacy Without Nipples. After you read, we'll chat. Those of you listening, stay tuned to the end for a writing prompt inspired by Lisa's story. All right, Lisa, I'll let you take it away. Thank you so much. So here is my, my essay, Intimacy Without Nipples, by myself, Lisa Cassenti. I didn't know how to say goodbye to my breasts and my nipples, although family and friends would say they're just body parts with good intention. My breasts and nipples were never just body parts to me. My breasts and nipples were a huge part of me. My breasts and nipples allowed me to nourish my daughter for almost 10 months while we both experienced the intimacy and closeness that breastfeeding provides. I loved how my daughter would gently touch my chest 
as she breastfed and look at that at me with those miraculous blue eyes. Breastfeeding connected me and my daughter in a powerful way that made my heart swell. Shortly after my diagnosis, I was crying with my lactation consultant, Jennifer Giordano. She coached me and my daughter for many months to successfully breastfeed. We never gave up and even went through the grueling triple feed routine for many months. Just as we both became pros at breastfeeding, we had to end the journey and the intimacy that came with it. I told my LC that I needed to say goodbye to breastfeeding and my breasts and nipples in a meaningful way. She connected me to a heart-centered photographer that helped me to create a photographic journal of my story, beginning with celebrating breastfeeding my daughter for nearly 10 months. I breastfed my daughter, Liana, for one of the last times at Avalon in Stony Brook, New York, a beautiful park that was home to some of my favorite childhood memories and to the beginning of memories for Liana. We sat in the restored rocking chair that my late grandmother rocked me in when I was a baby and created tangible representations of our breastfeeding journey. Before Jessica Sullivan, the photographer, took one of the last photos, she told me to envision mine and Liana's future. I visualized the both of us years into the future, looking at our photographic journal together. We were both healthy and expressing boundless gratitude and love for one another. This was the catalyst that led to a change in mindset for me. Shortly after I stopped breastfeeding Liana, I held her in my arms and fed her express breast milk, a precious gift from my cousin. As Liana looked adoringly into my eyes, I realized that although she was no longer on my nipple, the deep connection and intimacy we created was becoming stronger every day we loved each other. Less than four months later, and days before my bilateral mastectomy, Liana and I met Jessica at the Peconic River Herb Farm in Calverton, New York. It was important for me to have photos of myself whole. This included photos of my naked breasts and nipples. The night before my mastectomy, I couldn't sleep and just wanted to hold my breasts all night and focus on the sensations of my nipples so I could seal them in my mind and access them at will. I realized that due to grieving the loss of breastfeeding, I didn't even get to process how losing my breasts and nipples would impact my sex life. My breasts and nipples were symbols of my femininity and my female sexual energy. More importantly, my breasts and nipples were safe erogenous zones when exploring intimacy in new relationships. At 16 years of age, I was raped by someone my family and I trusted. That was my first sexual experience, and after that, true intimacy was not possible for many years. After years of therapy and finally being able to explore what I liked sexually in a safe way, my nipples became a portal to sexual freedom and became essential to having an orgasm. What would sex life be like without my nipples? Is there any way that I can still feel these sensations without my nipples? When I have my hysterectomy, will I be able to have an orgasm at all? I took an edible to help me to stop these frightening thoughts and to get some sleep. I concentrated on my breathing 
and I decided to think about all the positive breast nipple memories I could recall. This may seem funny, but a thought crossed my mind that I should have flashed my breasts while in New Orleans that one summer years ago. Another thought took its place quickly that I did flash at least one breast to many people on Virginia Beach after spending some time in a boogie board without my glasses on. I have no idea that my bikini top betrayed me until my best friend shouted, Lisa, your breast, drawing even more attention to my naked boob. I felt gratitude and happiness for this moment and laughed at the irony as I was mortified when it initially happened. I fell asleep shortly after I laughed myself to tears. Fast forward past all of my treatments, my hysterectomy, and post-reconstructive surgery with a heart-centered surgeon, Dr. Stephanie Cooper, and I decided that I had to find my new sexual self. Although I wasn't in a relationship at the time, I had a yearning to find my partner in life, and sex was going to be an essential component to this healthy relationship. So many breast cancer thrivers have spoken to me about their sex lives changing or becoming non-existent after breast cancer. Sadly, it's almost as if it's expected. After I healed from my hysterectomy, I was given a vaginal lubricant as it was assumed that it was going to be necessary. What did everyone else do post-breast cancer to maintain their sex life? What about heightening the impact of some other erogenous zones, I thought. As I did while recovering from my sexual trauma in the past, I focused on my mind as a major erogenous zone. I read erotica, compilations are best, thought about my hottest real-life sexual encounters, fantasized regularly, and basically created a sexual playlist in my mind. I used this playlist to bring myself to orgasm and envision that this self-practice would make it easier for me to be sexually open when I started dating again. I soon discovered that nipples or not, being in a limited estrogen body or not, I could bring myself to orgasm. Although it would require a lot of patience and practice, I would not lose my sexual self. In my practice, I also concentrated on feeling the sensations that I had with my nipples, and I continue to do this every day. I met Bruce shortly after my last reconstructive surgery, when I felt comfortable enough to share my most vulnerable self with him. I took off my bra and shirt. As he touched my breasts, sans nipples, he told me as he looked into my eyes, you are stunningly beautiful. I believed it then, and I believe it now. I'm able to see myself as whole again and as a sexual, desirable being. My original breasts and nipples will never be just body parts to me. I will continue to miss them, maybe forever. My mind has transformed into my most developed erogenous zone. May all of you reading this be able to not only restore the intimacy that you had before breast cancer, but experience an even more heightened sense of it now. Oh, Lisa, thank you so much for that. Beautiful, beautiful story. And I'm excited to dig into it with you. Thank you. Thank you, April, for letting me share this. Absolutely. 
All right, let's take a quick break here for a testimonial. And when we come back, we'll dig in. Hi, friends. There is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. Our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone you will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hi, my name is Kiara and I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer at the age of 27 in the year 2020. I attended a wildfire writing workshop recently and it was a really incredible experience. I've been a Wildfire subscriber for a while, and reading the magazine is always a really powerful experience, but I was also struggling with having those kind of daily cancer thoughts. And I really needed an outlet, you know, whenever I would talk to other people about them, either they didn't understand or I felt like a burden dumping too much on those who could understand. So I joined the writing workshop and immediately after joining, I knew it was one of the best decisions I made in my cancer experience. It gave me an outlet for those thoughts, a way to process them without feeling misunderstood or like a burden, and just a whole supportive group of women that I never would have met otherwise. I'm so grateful to April and to the whole Wildfire team for providing this amazing space for us. Thank you so much for the love, Kiara. All right, turning back to you, Lisa, thank you again for your powerful, powerful writing and for your vulnerability and sharing your story today. April, thank you so much for for giving me the gift of letting me share this. This is the most vulnerable I have ever been in my writing. This is the most of myself I have ever given. And I've I've written several pieces before. So I want to ask you about this vulnerability and also acknowledge um, that you trusted me and Wildfire with your story and with some really breathtaking photos. Hopefully people have seen the issue by the time this is coming out. But if you haven't yet, you'll have to see Lisa's photos in the issue. Um, But Lisa, I want to ask you if you needed to do any kind of personal work to tell this story. Like, how did you get to the place where you were able to be this vulnerable? Or is this something that does come natural for you? This, this does not come natural to me. This, but this is a story that it's, it was so important, like looking at the past wildfire issues. And I've had dear friends, um, a dear friend, actually, Ann Crook, that she wrote her own story and told me about so much healing came from it. And I know that stories heal. And I I do tell stories in another capacity of my life, but I felt that this story, even though I was so vulnerable in sharing it, and it shared pieces that I had never shared with other people. Um, People in my family don't know 
about what happened when I was 16 years old. Um, but I felt that this was, that this is a struggle, This that this story may resonate with so many other women going through this because I've heard the story time and time again about how your sexual self changes because of breast cancer. And I felt that if I can be vulnerable and share my story with others, they will not feel alone. And if I held this story and kept it to myself, others would suffer. So I know how much healing I did from just picking up wildfire and reading the the stories that were in the issue that I was in. I felt like there were parts of these women, parts of their stories that resonated with me. And it's just the knowing that you're not alone, that other people came before you, that they were able to get through it. That gives you healing. It gives you hope. It lets you see the future. So if I kept the story to myself, nobody could benefit from it, including my own self. Mm-hmm. Because healing comes from from telling the story, from sharing it. But it was it was very hard. Um, I will share that I waited until the very last minute to actually write the story, which I don't recommend. But it's because it was that hard for me. I hear that, and and also the beauty of a deadline, right? To just make yourself sometimes do the thing you really want to do, but but can't, you know, you need a little nudge. So deadlines are really helpful for that. They absolutely are. Um, So one thing I, you know, in listening to you talk about this vulnerability and how you needed to, to let others, you know, have some of that healing benefit, not just yourself, but you're making me think of something I say in my workshops, which is that I think that writing is the inhale and sharing it is the exhale. And so, we can't necessarily always share and don't always feel ready or brave enough to share, but there is something so full circle about just letting it out, you know, so other people can either benefit from it or help you carry it. Absolutely. And if, if I may share, if someone doesn't feel comfortable telling the story verbally or writing about it, something that they may want to do is even just do free writing in a journal or something, just practice writing because there is something about taking your story, taking bits and pieces of your life that have been traumatic um, and putting it on paper. There is something that is so healing about that. And I think what you've created here in this community is a true healing tool for others. So if somebody is in their mind, they're thinking, well, wow, I would love to contribute to April's community, but I'm not sure how to how to go about it. I would just say, just just get that pen on the paper. I'm I'm pretty traditional that way. I love to write it out first and then then kind of type it because there's something that's so freeing about putting the pen on the paper mm. and just just starting to get those words flowing and then it just comes and you you don't even know 
how, but all of a sudden it's on it's true. Paper. It's true. And I'll second that there is a huge body of science behind the power of writing it down. The amazing thing though, is that it doesn't even have to be paper like you're, um, you love. I have also told people that you can just write in the steam on your shower door. You can write on the beach and let the waves take it. Like it's just starting somewhere Yes. And then maybe getting to the paper, but there is, there is science there that actually writing it down versus just talking is it moves that experience to a different part of your brain and lets that healing start to begin. So yes, thank you for that, Lisa. I really appreciate that. So I want to ask you uh, another question. Um, here with regard to your story. And I really appreciate you being so open and talking about, you know, sex after breast cancer and finding other erogenous zones or finding what your body likes now. Was this a conversation that you had with maybe a nurse navigator or anyone on your care team um, prior, or was this something you kind of had to find your way to on your own? This was something that I had many conversations with other women within the breast cancer community about this. And, you know, what do we do about this? And I know you know about the breast connection. So myself and three other lovely ladies came together and um, and we created this virtual community. But we had conversations like this. And these these conversations were not within the doctor's office. It was, I I told you, at a doctor's office, I was given the vaginal lubricant. You may need this. I was not, the conversations about sex are not talked about. And it wasn't, wasn't with a nurse navigator. I will say that a social worker that led a support group, an in-person support group that I was with, that was a conversation that we had. I was terrified before having my hysterectomy. Am I going to have an orgasm again? So these were conversations I had with her, but they were not with the medical community. And it's it's a necessary part of our healing. There are so many pieces that are missing. It's true. And I've heard, yes, and it, it's it's really sad to me because if I didn't kind of figure it out, talk to other people... I am already being sent home with the mindset that you need vaginal lubricant, that sex may be painful for you, that everything may change. And I don't want women to to have that already going into, you know, you go into a situation and you, you have expectations. It's almost like those thoughts will come into fruition. And I think it's, absolutely horrible that not only do we have to grieve so many losses, we shouldn't have to already grieve the loss of a sex life. It's true. Before we even know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, and you're reminding me that um, in the course of my own struggles around this, I wasn't sure who I could ask on on my care team. Um, And I think that what was at the heart of that was this sense that you know, what more can I ask for, but, but that I'm alive, you know, can I ask for pleasure in this aftermath? Am I allowed to, and, and feeling kind of guilty for that and that I would be asking too much. And it took a long time to realize that surviving isn't living and there needs to be pleasure 
here yes. and and I'm allowed that, you know, I'm allowed to ask for that. Yes, we deserve it. We deserve mm-hmm. it. That's part of life. You know, sex and healthy sexual relationship, that is part of life. So we need to have these conversations and we need to support each other and, and find out, okay, what worked for you? Maybe that can work for me. And I want to be mindful of of women that have have had complicated reconstructive surgeries, deep flap. Like those kinds of surgeries are even more impactful, can even be more impactful um, because they they require that you're using um, other parts of the body, the inside of the thighs. You know, it's just, um, this is something that we really need to bring awareness about for for right. those other women coming now and coming after us because these sh- nobody should ever feel guilty about asking, okay, I'm alive, I'm grateful for that. Dare I ask how I can still have a sexual life? Right. We deserve this. We do. We do. Unfortunately, I did find my way to a doctor who believed that wholeheartedly before I believed it myself. She helped me to believe it. Um, But Lisa, in the time we have left, I do want to know more about the breast connection. Can you tell us about this partnership and the work you guys are doing and your goals coming up? Yes, absolutely. So the breast connection, we all came together um, the the four of us in total, three of us are breast cancer thrivers, and one of us is a massage therapist, and she focuses basically her her energies on working with people post breast surgeries. So it's really amazing work. So we've all come together, and we have different. Uh, different areas of expertise, different niches, but it's Anne Crook, Dina Legland, Erin Price, and myself. And we felt that uh, we came together during COVID and we felt that so many support groups out there were just failing because of COVID. And we felt that we needed to create a safe space for people to come to us, um, to, to this community which is not only are we focusing on breast health and um, focusing on anybody and everybody who cares about breast health, but focusing on these very difficult conversations that aren't had at the doctor's office, like changes in sex life and how do you keep, you know, um, how do you keep vaginal health? All of these things that are maybe taboo but we talk about them. So we meet on the second Tuesday of every month at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And if anybody wants any information related to that, they can actually go to um, lisacassenti.com. So I don't know if you'll, um, if you'd like me to spell it, but it's L-I-S-A-C-A-S-S-E-N-T-I. Dot com, and you'll actually see an Eventbrite link so you can go there and register for our virtual events. 
That's perfect, Lisa. Thank you. We will definitely link to that. This um, podcast will be going live in probably November. So we're recording it a little ways out. Do you have any initiatives coming up that you want people specifically to be aware of or shall they just go to your website? Oh, they can just go to the website. I, I will say that our focus, what we've been doing now is Every other episode, every other uh, virtual meeting that we're doing, we are having open mic nights, which we feel so important. So we have speakers coming in about some of the topics that I mentioned. Uh, So that's every other time. And then on the alternate evenings, we have open mic nights where people can share their story, pieces of their story. They can listen to other stories and it's truly because of people and communities like yours, April, that we felt so necessary to have these open mic nights. Because telling your story, sharing, listening to others, it really is healing. And we at The Breast Connection believe that we heal and thrive together as a community. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Um, in June of this year, I had the pleasure of joining you and the others for the Breast Connection and um, got to share my story in in a way that I kind of hadn't told it before. So I really, I really love what you guys are creating. Thank you, April. It, when we had you, it was such a, I can't even put into words, but I, it evoked so much so many emotions when you told your story and it was absolutely incredible. Um, We do have a recording of it on our YouTube channel. So there's also, if people go to lisacassenti.com, they can see our link to the YouTube channel and they can go in and see June 2023 was April's event. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I got deep into uh, finding my story through... um, through loss, primarily. So thank you so much for that, Lisa. I appreciate that opportunity. So that kind of brings us to uh, the end of our time here. Um, Was there anything else that you wanted to share before we go? I I think just what I would want to share is that anyone listening to this, anyone that thinks that their story might not matter or that their story is like everyone else's it's not your story is your own your story it may not resonate with everyone um, in this community but it is going to resonate with with at least several people and it can mean it can mean the world to them that they don't feel alone that they know that someone that is that went through exactly what they're going through right now, whatever the factors are in your life, if you can share your story and help another, it is one of the most beautiful gifts you can give is your story. So I just say, um, share it however you feel that you can. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you for that, Lisa. And for everyone listening, we'll definitely be linking to Lisa in the show notes so you can get more from her and her work with The Breast Connection. All right. Thank you so much again, Lisa. 
For all of you listening, I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young people like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by Lisa and I's chat today. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our rich 40-plus issues in the Wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There's no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, please take a moment and leave us a five-star review. I'll be forever grateful. All right, here is your writing prompt. As always, set your timer for eight minutes and really lean into that time. Keep your pen moving or your fingers tapping the whole time. So the prompt is, Is there something I need to know or do in order to write the story I'm holding inside? Is there something I need to know or do to feel safe to write the story inside of me? Write for eight minutes. Again, write without stopping. See what needs to come out and where it will take you. And if you find that you write best with a good prompt, there are more prompts and writing lessons available to you at wildfirecommunity.org slash free. Until next time, take good care.